This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and we're welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making this program possible. And please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to tonight's full interview. Tonight's special guest is a household name around the world when it comes to exemplary journalism as it relates to not only the topic of UFOs, but of many other topics that matter to the entire planet. I'm referring to world-renowned investigative journalist Jaime Maussan. Jaime will share his story and will comment on many important cases and his view of the media in Mexico and why it is that they are allowed to discuss the topic of UFOs with the professionalism that it deserves. Jaime Maussan will be with us shortly. And I also want to say hello to our friend Santiago Iturria, Jaime's collaborator for years, who also deserves recognition. Saludos, Santiago. And it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. MMS. You can get it at our very test store. You can also purchase our futuristic metal-cased USB drives with seasons 1, 2, or 3 and bonus material. And real quick, let me just share something interesting with you about tonight's interview. You may remember a few years ago, our interview with Dr. Paul Aviolette. 
we were disconnected over 20 times. Then a few weeks ago, uh, my last interview with Jay Whitener also had something happen. Jay's voice was deleted from the interview. Thankfully, uh, Jay allowed us to do it again. Well, at the studio, in the almost four years we've been doing this, we have never lost power. Yes, power outages can happen. However, listen to this. As Jaime and I are hanging up to take our first break, the light went out, just as I was pressing the save button. Fortunately, I have a power backup system that gave me five minutes to save the material. I communicated what was happening to Jaime via my cell phone, and we waited. After an hour of waiting, Jaime said that he could do it from home at 7 p.m. He left his studio and drove home for an hour. At 7 p.m., the lights were still out. So we postponed the next segment until the next day. Five minutes later, at 7.05 p.m., the lights came back. I left the studio a few minutes later, and right behind the studio, there was a truck from the power company parked right outside. I thought the timing was interesting, so I took a picture of the truck, and you should see the driver's face. Go to our forum and look at his face. Then the next morning, this morning, we were able to resume and record segment two. We did that successfully. But at 2.05 p.m., the light went out again at the studio. It's interesting that I start most of my interviews at 2 p.m. First, they disconnect our telephone. Then they delete the guest voice from the audio. And now they kill the power. I know. Again, it could be the law of averages. Power outages occur. But don't you think it's peculiar? The timing is just perfect. I thought I'd let you know about the behind-the-scenes story about tonight's interview. And if you need to get in touch with me, click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. When we think of outstanding reporting and footage of UFOs, we can always count on Jaime Maussan, who has been covering this important topic for decades. From his headquarters in Mexico City, and with the advent of the internet, it is now possible to follow Maussan's work as he goes around the world, searching for the truth. And that is why he is here tonight. And to share his story and his unique approach to finding the truth, Jaime Maussan is coming up next. This is Mel Bambergers, and you're listening to Veritas. Grant Cameron, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Jaime Maussan was born in Mexico City and earned a bachelor's degree in radio and television from the Miami University in Ohio. He has had a 25-year career in the media, during which he has received numerous awards, and now general director and anchorman of 60 Minutes Mexico. He also produces a radio program, Jaime Maussan, UFOs and Other Mysteries, one of them, one of the most popular shows in Mexico. 
He works as an investigative journalist, anchorman, and general producer of the TV show Tercer Milenio, Third Millennium, that is broadcast via the Televisa network. In 1996, he was producer of the feature radio program Jaime Monsan, UFOs and Other Mysteries, transmitted through XEW Radio and the RASA Network, which became one of the most popular radio programs in Mexico. And to learn more about Jaime Monsan and his work, visit his website at Tercer Milenio TV, which is also linked on our website. And directly from a city that I love, and where I lived for some time in the past, Mexico City. I would like to introduce, for the first time on Veritas, Jaime Mausan. Hello, Mr. Mausan, and welcome. How are you? How are you, Mayor? Uh, I am very well. Uh, in Mexico, we are now expecting the rains from the hurricane Ernesto that just uh, hit Earth uh, uh, a few hours ago, and we are expecting uh, big showers tonight in Mexico City. Wow, even in Mexico City. And by the way, may I call you Jaime? Please. And... I just heard in the news that uh, the weather department in the United States is revising the estimate. It's going to be 17 hurricanes expected uh, this year. So we're facing some some uh, weather anomalies more than we've ever seen before. I believe the, they are related to the sun <clears throat> uh, activity. I believe that uh, when we have so many solar storms, we have also many hurricanes. That happened in 2005. Uh, that year, we had at least 30 big solar storms, uh, category X, X uh, flares, and we had 30 hurricanes and storms. I mean, it was the largest year in number of hurricanes. And I believe this is going to happen again. I think by the end of August, uh, especially September and October, we are going to see an, an unusual activity in the oceans, especially in the Atlantic, but also in the Pacific Ocean. Then we have to look out for these uh, uh, incredible events, these big uh, phenomenon. You see, this is why I love to speak with people like you, Jaime, who are investigative journalists. Not only do you discuss UFOs, but you discuss pretty much everything we discuss here. But right from the beginning, Jaime, I wanted just to let you know that a lot of people around the world know you, but there may be a segment that may not, and I want to also explore your life, but right from the beginning, I have to thank you right at the start, because what you have been doing for decades is something that not that many have been able to accomplish. I've heard you say that your investigative headquarters is a four-story building fully staffed with investigators. Children in Mexico are born fascinated by possibilities, and there is someone that look up to you. In many countries, those of us who investigate the topic are, are traditionally frowned upon, ridiculed. That's not the case in Mexico. And I'm proud to say that I lived there for two years, and I absolutely loved it. I watched your program when I was there and still do. But it is accepted in Mexico. It is part of the culture. How can we change this culture of ridicule and mockery? And I know that, that you must have suffered some of that. Tell us what advice you have. First of all, thank you very much for your kind words. Uh, I really thank you because, uh, yeah, well, uh, sometimes we forget that there are people out there that are receiving the news and the information. And sometimes we feel uh, somehow lonely because this is a very difficult subject, even in Mexico. It is true. 
it's different in Mexico. We cannot compare the the people here, the the way the media treat this. We cannot compare how in the United States anyone who wants to get involved in this subject has to, you know, uh, be ready for uh, being, uh, uh, as you say, mockery, joked, ridiculed. And unfortunately, probably because I was a journalist for so many years, and I am still a journalist, and I was with 60 Minutes that was admired even by the Mexican media. Uh, that's probably why uh, I have been respected and they are listening to what we say. And also because uh, we have this television show, Tercer Milenio, where we present the news in the subject every week. And we have collaborators all around the world that help us with the information, even from Russia. We have so much more information in Mexico about the subject that you have in the US. And this is incredible because the US is the most informed country in the world. There is no place in the world where you have more media and more people working to give uh, news and give uh, anything that is going on around the world, but not in this subject. You don't know anything that is being happening now in Russia. You don't know about the sightings with the motor ships in Russia, what is happening in St. Petersburg, in Russia, in Chelyabinsk, and other places, even in Moscow. Uh, you don't know what is happening in, in, uh, in now in Italy with the crop circles, and even in Germany and other countries, not just in England. The, the phenomenon is growing, and that is very sad. In this phenomenon, you are being discriminated because you are not receiving all the good information that uh, is really happening around the world. And now with the, uh, as you said, with this staff that I have, this uh, full building with people here working and, uh, and doing their work, uh, their investigations every day, uh, we have uh, the possibility to inform. And then if you inform week after week, you are more respected. Uh, and that is probably why here in Mexico this is happening. How quick you could change it in the U.S.? I think the media has to, be, has to get involved. As long as the media keeps the same kind of attitude to this phenomenon, it's going to be tough, my friend. Uh, because the media, unfortunately was moved and was somehow influenced by the American government since the 1940s, especially the 1950s. The, the movie production, the movie industry in the 50s uh, produced so many uh, movies with uh, uh, so bizarre characters, uh, some uh, very, I, I don't know, childish uh, movies with uh, extraterrestrials and monsters that very soon the subject became a joke. By the 60s, in the US, nobody believed in this. When the Blue Book came out, everybody was ready for that. The, the American government was saying, no, this is not real, and if it's real, it's not affecting us, and it's not important for us, and we are not getting anything from it, then nobody cares about this. You know, and, and from then on, uh, we have seen the same attitude, especially from those who think that they know it all, especially the journalists. And unfortunately, they, this has been affected and has influenced 
the American people throughout the, the country. And I have to ask you, and I always want to, to, wanted to know, I believe you started your, your career in journalism. I believe it was in the uh, uh, 70s. Is that correct? Yes, I started in 1970 working for a newspaper for uh, markets, uh, the public markets in Mexico. Sometimes they had uh, their own newspaper. I started there but just for a few weeks. Then I got uh, into the media, El Sol de Mexico. Later on, I went to a, a sports paper, La Afición, working and writing about bullfights because my father was a businessman in the in the bullfights, uh, he was a rancher, he had bullfighters, he was also uh, a part of the whole industry here. Then I became involved since I was a kid. I, I was a real expert. By by 17, I, I, I was able to write in these newspapers and I was uh, getting some respect there. But also I was looking to the television because... Uh, at that moment, a new show, "24 uh, Horas," yeah. was being presented with Jacobo Sabludowski, right? And then I looked to that, and <clears throat> uh, and I received some help from the university when they realized that I was so young and st- uh, now working with a newspaper, and I had my own column and I had my own opinion there, being so young, and they gave me a letter to recommend me with Jacobo. And uh, Jacobo, after so many questions, has accepted me, and I started to work in uh, 24 Horas with Jacobo by 1972. And since then, that's 40 years now, I've been working in the television. When did you start getting into the subjects of the paranormal and UFOs? Well, I don't consider UFOs paranormal. I want to separate that because UFOs are a physical phenomenon. Paranormal is a non-physical phenomenon. I started working in uh, 1984 when I found the Billy Mayer case. Mm. And it was interesting for me because this case had photographs, had movies, had witnesses, and had especially had scientific analysis of the metal that was provided by Billy Mayer to Marcel Bogel. He was working with the IBM yep. in, in Geneva, in uh, Switzerland, uh, and uh, Marcel Bogel became one of the fathers of the superconductors, superconduction. Uh, and that happened after he analyzed all the metals from uh, Mayer, and he concluded that these metals, and you can check that investigation, were not from this earth. And that was very important for me because I was, I was, uh, I wanted to get involved in the phenomenon, but I was very skeptical. Uh, at that moment, I couldn't believe in any case, any case. I, I didn't believe in this. It was funny for me, the other case. I didn't believe in Adamski. I didn't believe in Daniel Fry. I didn't believe I found many holes in the stories. But then I had this story, and especially when he mentioned, and you have to remember this, that the ozone layer was being depleted. Yes. And he said that in 1975. Uh, we know that in 1972, some scientists suggested this, 
but mayor said exactly 6.38% has been depleted. Uh, the ozone is being affected by the chloro fluorocarbons. It's being affected by uh, halogen, uh, I don't know, halogeno in Spanish, um, and many other gases are because of Mayer. I presented the story in 84, and that's recorded, and you can check the story there. I mean, you can find it in my, my site, tercermilenio.tv. But uh, because of Mayer, I was one of the first journalists around the world to get involved with the ozone layer depletion. By 1987, uh, I was involved with NASA uh, making the investigation of the depletion of the ozone layer. I couldn't go to the South Pole, but I was able to go to the North Pole where they were doing an investigation. And believe it or not, there were just two journalists from around the world. One was from Germany, the second was from Mexico. And they couldn't believe that. Uh, they understood that probably because uh, some very important scientific institutions from Germany were involved. There was a, 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 a journalist from Germany. But they couldn't understand how a tropical country, as they said, from Mexico, from the world, was there. I mean, Mexico, I mean, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe there was non-journalist from the US and there was one from Mexico. And I was there because I convinced the people in Televisa that this was very important because I learned that to really make a case. And that is why uh, I, I got involved and Mexico was the first country to sign the, the, uh, uh, the protocol from Montreal, the Montreal Protocol in 1987. And it was because 60 Minutes gave so much attention and importance to the depletion of the ozone layer back in, in those years. Then you can see how even uh, when I got involved, uh, I got uh, information for my journalistic career, a career. I am sorry to give you such a long answer. And you say that very soon, Mexico and other Latin American countries will take over all these UFO investigations because you know, the, 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 the countries like the United States don't seem to want to do it publicly. Perhaps they're doing it privately or covertly. Of course. But Jaime, I, I don't think it's very soon. I think it's already happening. Here in the USA, the media is not pursuing the investigation of the phenomena. The media is trying to kill it. So what is it that Mexico is doing that's becoming, you're becoming the forefront when it comes to these types of investigations and worldwide dissemination? To have, an, uh, to have the media on your side and to have a, an important space in the media. I have my show is national, coast to coast, border to border. Uh, it's watched by two to three million people. And this show is now being presented in the internet. I received some like 52 million hits in two years in, in YouTube. And in total were 140 million hits. If you consider everything that was done with my uh, my videos, my information, then uh, that uh, uh, mostly by Latin Americans. In the last year, I presented uh, my information to title in English, and many people was able to to read it in English. But uh, fortunately, uh, there are now many, many, many millions of people 
in Latin America who are following our investigations. And we are trying to keep this alive. Even in Russia, we have many followers in Russia now because uh, no one else in the, in the West is giving all this information out like we are doing from Russia, from what is happening there, because it is just amazing. But wait, I mean, something is also happening in other countries like France, like England, uh, where you have seen many official documents being released just lately, just uh, two or three weeks ago, uh, Britain released information that uh, makes many suspect that uh, Tony Blair was involved with the investigation of UFOs. Uh, in England, there are documents that prove that uh, they wanted to get a UFO because they wanted the technology that everybody says has been obtained by the US and now many other countries want that technology from the UFOs. And there are documents now proving that uh, Great Britain wanted that information. Uh, and now you have, uh, unfortunately, didn't receive the attention, but you have a, an ex-CIA agent uh, telling you that Roswell was real. Yeah. He had the information in his hands, and he knows there were bodies, there were cadavers, and there was so much information that made him realize that uh, this case was real. I mean... Unfortunately, because the media is not participating with that, um, the people are not being are they are not being informed of this reality. But but there are so many other things that are happening that prove me that the phenomenon is growing. For example, the sounds. Uh, there are sounds all around the world. The, they call it the uh, the trumpets. Yeah, the trumpets of the apocalypse. You yeah. know. And, uh, and they are everywhere. And now we have videos where we can relate UFOs to these sounds, you know? And, uh, uh, and that proves me that these intelligences are now trying to communicate with us. Uh, we have also many signs, spirals, uh, spirales in Espanol, spirals in English. Uh, we have seen them now in Norway, we saw it in uh, in Australia. We saw it in, in Mongolia. We saw it now in New Zealand, and and lately we saw that in Armenia, in Israel, and other countries. And those spirals that you find in all the cultures from the Neolithic, twenty five thousand years ago, uh, and they are uh, cra uh, carved in a stone. stone. Uh, and uh, now you are seeing them in the sky. You, if you put together all this information, the sounds, the signals in the sky, and everything, the signs, uh, you have to agree that the pace is changing. These intelligence are getting closer. And when they decide that it's time, when they decide uh, they are gonna present themselves, this is going to happen. That is why some institutions like the church are now taking that uh, in consideration. And from 2008 to now, they have a, a very comfortable position because they said the ETs exist. They are not saying they are on Earth, but in 2010, they said 
the extraterrestrials. Our brothers. No, no, no. They said that before. They said if they want to be baptized, we can do it. That's right. If you, if you learn, if you look carefully to that sentence, if they want to be baptized, we can do it. Is the way they have to say to the congregation, we think they are here. Okay, let me explain you something. Uh, I, I met with Corrado Balducci. This man was uh, very close to John Paul II uh, because he, in the 90s, went to the Italian television and he took so many videos from Mexico and other countries and presented them in the, in the Italian media. And John Paul II told his assistants that when uh, Corrado Balducci was on television, he wanted to stop whatever he was doing because he wanted to see it. Mm. That was very important. He told me that Corrado Balducci, who died, I believe, two or three years ago, he told me in 2006 that. And I think that helped me a lot because now this was not uh, a joke in the Vatican. This was serious stuff uh, because the, the Pope was interested. Uh, and when I was with him, he, you remember he died in 2005. Uh, I said, well, now what is going to happen with the new Pope, with Benedict XVI? And he said, Jaime, if by November the 30th this year, you see some news that the church has changed the position of Jesus, Jesus Christ, from being the God of the earth to the God of the universe is the signal that is being sent by the church to the congregation to tell you that it, we are on the same position. We are continuing with the same uh, attitude to the extraterrestrial phenomenon. Then by 2008, you have a secret meeting in the UN where 20 countries, lead it, uh, France was the leader, uh, got together to see how could they release this information because the time is coming, because there is more and more evidence every time. And they decided to do it between 2013 and 2017. They decided that they would have to credit the phenomenon to give credibility to this. And by the end of the decade, the next decade of this decade, they would open the phenomenon. And look what happened. In May that year, the Vatican, who assists to that meeting, said, we believe the extraterrestrials are our brothers. And by 2009, they confirmed this news because I thought that the Pope was going to say, no, 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 take it easy. This is uh, Jose Gabriel Funes, uh, an Argentinian uh, who is the director of the observatory. It's his own opinion, it's not the opinion of the church, but he never said anything. And by October 2009, the Pope went to a, a, a Congress uh, led by Jose Gabriel Funes, and he confirmed that the church believed the extraterrestrials were our brothers. Uh, by 2010, as I said, they said, we are ready to give baptism to them if they ask for it. Then you have the position and proves that some states, even the Vatican, are changing this attitude. However, 
this is not happening in the U.S. And I think it's important to discuss that, you know, here in Tucson, we have one of the largest telescopes in the world that belongs to the Vatican, because in the, I believe it was the 1300s or 1400s, the, after the Inquisition, people wanted to revolt because science was not being allowed into the church. So a more progressive pope took over and built the, the, the uh, observatory at Castel, Castel Gandolfo in Rome. But in the 1980s, with all the visual and light pollution, it was not effective anymore. So they looked for a new location right here in the desert. What exactly are they looking for, Jaime? Uh, well, the church wants to know. They have so much information but they were hurt when they lost the discussion, the debate to the, to the scientists about uh, creation, creation, creationism and evolutionism. Uh, when they lost that, they realized that they needed to do more science to be closer to the truth and explain the truth because they lost so many people when they, they lost that debate. For that reason, the church doesn't want to debate with science again. But at the same time, they want to have their own information. And that's why they are putting so much emphasis now in knowing. And they know that the most important knowledge is outside the air. And that is why they are looking very carefully let me tell you, in the year 2000, uh, I was in my office and I received a call from Corrado Valdici. It was the first time I talked to him and he said to me, Jaime received the blessing of the Holy Father and the Holy Church. It is very important what you are doing. Please keep on doing because you have the blessing of the Holy Father. Keep on doing what you are doing. That was the first time we met. And then we just imagine I gave a conference together with Corrado Balducci in 2006, uh, just in front of the Vatican. We mm -hmm. to do it inside the Vatican, but something happened and we did it just outside the Vatican, in El Hostal uh, uh, Santa Maria. And uh, that proved me that the church is really interested in this. And I have said this publicly. The first time I said this in television, you know, the anchorman, Adal Ramones, you probably know him. He said to me, Jaime, when you mentioned that the church believe in this, I, I thought that there was a hole under my, my foot <laughs> and I was going to fall, you know. It's like, please don't, don't say that, Jaime. Something is going to happen because you, nothing happened. Nothing happened, my friend. And every time I have said this, Nothing happens. I have the blessing of the Holy Church to continue. And it's true. And it's true. That, uh, that is why I think it's just an example of what is happening now in England. Just think about this. Uh, um, a month ago, a reporter from Russia came to London to the Natu National Archives in London, and they let him watch the secret documents of UFOs inside the the national files in, in England, to be presented in Russia. Can you believe that? It's difficult to believe, my friend. You know, uh, uh, journalists from this country, 
giving this, receiving this information, it proves that England also, like France and like Russia, like Brazil and like Chile and other countries now are taking a new position. And one of these days is not going to matter what the United States says about this. You know, so far, the United States has established the world policy around this phenomenon. In 1947, uh, Harry that uh, this phenomenon was matter of uh, national security. And since then, this has been treated in the U.S. as national security. That is why not an, uh, a public uh, official or nobody who is working with the government is allowed to say anything around this. Unfortunately, the scientists took the same side with the government, and at the same time, also the media took the same side. But if you look carefully, all the investigation that is being done in Mexico and around the world, you are going to realize that this phenomenon is true, and it's just a matter of time to change it, to, to see a new reality. Let me just say something, since we're talking about the media here. Let me take our friend that you probably know him, of course, James Fox, producer of the films Out of the Blue and I Know What I Saw. He and I did some very important reporting during the BP oil spill a few years ago. And he called me a few months ago and asked me if I knew of any important UFO-related stories to share with him. At that point, it was confidential, but he was preparing the stories for an upcoming National Geographic series called Chasing UFOs, where uh, there was some silence between he and, he and I, and he asked me, Mel, do you trust me? And I said, yes, James, I trust you, but I don't trust Nagio because it's owned by Fox Cable Networks, which is owned by News Corp. That was the end of our conversation. The TV show is now airing, and I hate to say it, but my suspicions were right. James even came out recently saying, essentially, this is not what I signed up for. I have to give credit to him because he didn't know this would turn out like it was, but he has the courage to speak about it. Do you think that all these programs that purportedly come out saying that we're going to be studying UFOs are doing it in a professional manner, or are they just filtering the information because the owners of those important networks and those in power do not want the real information to come out. That's the real reason, my friend. And let me tell you something else. I, I'm going to answer the, the question in full. But uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> I just received a couple hours ago an email from James Fox telling me exactly what you are saying, that he's very disappointed with the mm -hmm. show. But unfortunately for me, and I want to see what is going to happen because I gave him the information, all the information I had about the Air Force case, Air Force case. Campeche. In Campeche. I gave him all the information, the interviews with the military officers, um, because he promised me. He gave me his word that this was going to be treated fairly. I My only condition was, okay, then you go to the same place, the same spot, where, where this airplane was uh, when they recorded the UFOs, because there were some people saying that there were some... Um, Fires. Wells, oil wells. Uh, but the oil wells are a, are a hundred miles away. Yeah. 
it would be impossible that these were oil wells. Uh, and unfortunately, one moment, please. Uh, unfortunately, uh, well, they did it. They went to the place and he told me, uh, Jaime, we didn't see the oil wells. You were right. This, uh, this is going to be presented. But now I don't know what is he trying to tell me, you know? Bueno. Yes, please. Uh, I, I call you. I call you when I finish. Okay. I'm sorry, Mel. I received a call from Arizona, by the way, by, from Flagstaff. <laughs> it's not Brit Elders, is it? <laughs> like when you said Brit, I thought you said that. And talking about Billy Meyer, and I, and I knew uh, uh, Wendell Stevens and all those people. So say hello to him when you talk to him. But anyway, about this incident in Bay of Campeche, when I started Veritas, I was so fascinated by this story. And when they said there were fires coming out of oil platforms, I wanted to check it out. So I actually went to the Mexican government. I went to the Department of Defense, and I found the spokesperson. And they referred me to you. And I said, yep, I, I know what he has done, but I just want more confirmation. And I was going to have an interview with the spokesperson. And a couple of hours before, they canceled. And instead, they sent me a letter saying that it was not oil fires or oil platforms, but it is an unknown, which is a change of posture of what they had said before. Do you think the United States has influence and I think the answer is yes, but I want to hear from you. Influence in the Mexican government not to release information that could tilt the 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 balance, if you will, or the I scale. Tell you, I, I cannot tell you why they gave me the information. They called me. The Secretary of Defense called me. They gave first. They asked me what it was, and then I, I well, I, I I really said I don't know what is this. I tried to check everything. And it was very similar to many of my videos, what they recorded there. But this time they were recorded from an airplane. Yeah. And I said, I believe they are UFOs. And then next day uh, I received a call uh, from the secretary of defense, from his secretary. And he asked me to be there next morning. And I was there and I was surprised that I was being received by the secretary, Jose Ricardo Clemente Vega Garcia, and he gave me the video, <clears throat> and he said, when somebody asks you who gave you the video, you will say that the Secretary of Defense of Mexico. Uh, and at that time, at that moment, I cheat my pants, you know, because I thought that uh, he was going to say something like, you don't know where you receive it from, or you don't know how it came to you, or something like that. But he told me that I could clearly do that. The only thing he was asking me was to take care of the honor of the army in Mexico. Uh, and I did that, you know, and I tried to be as, as clear and honest as possible. But then some other people, even Mexicans, came to say why this was not given to the scientists, why it was given to a journalist, why such and such, you know. Mm -hmm. And that is um, why I... <clears throat> I didn't receive the support even from the Mexican media when I presented this, and it still is uh, one of the most amazing videos that has ever been recorded and released to the public. Do the United States influence Mexico? What did they tell you exactly? That they didn't think they were UFOs? They said it was an unknown. I still have the letter. I'll send it to you if you want me to. They always said that. They always say we don't know what it is. 
That was the official position. But they also said they, these are not oil wells. That's right. Scientists, the first attack came from the scientists. You know, this attack uh, was uh, from, uh, from uh, the University of Mexico, Dr. Rafael Navarro, who, by the way, works with NASA, saying that these were uh, uh, ball lightning or something like that. <laughs> Uh, and, I mean, a national pro, uh, national science award said that they were missiles, like uh, like in Iraq or something like that. You know, I mean, they had to say whatever. You know, say something, whatever. Uh, and they said some very stupid things. Then they went in private to see the secretary of defense uh, to tell him, uh, "We are sorry, we were wrong." But they never made, made that public, you know. And still, until now, the, the case is still there. And that is why when uh, James, Fox came, James Fox came to me and asked me for this case and asked me for the support, I said, okay, if you give me your word, but now I don't know what is going to happen. Look, I, I know James, he's a man of his word. But the reason why I didn't disclose that information, and I do have a few cases that I am working on, is because I knew who was working behind him. And I knew that he could not control that. And I'm glad that I took the stand I did. I still respect James because he's a, he's a person that I, who I trust. But speaking of other people, Louis, Louis Farrakhan. Last year, I was at the UFO Congress with you and some others. And uh, it was the A.J. Gavard and some people, others who told me, Mel, I'm leaving tomorrow to meet with uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan, and you were included too. Can you tell us, and, and many people may disagree with Louis Farrakhan, but I've watched the video, and I've watched the intention of what he was trying to accomplish, and I have to say, I agree with his intentions. Can you tell us what your interaction with him was? Oh, it was very nice. Uh, I know that he is uh, outspoken. He... Many people doesn't like him because his attitude, because of what he says. Yeah. But to me, to me, he's a gentleman. To me, he's um, someone to be respected. You know, he was very clear, very honest. The interview I did to him was uh, very, very honest. If you can watch it, I mean, it's something uh, I believe very, very important because he was uh, accepting publicly that this is real. Yeah. He was saying that the American government was lying about this object. And he thought, and I think that uh, very soon we are going to have more evidence that is going to prove that this is real. I was very surprised of his attitude, let me tell you. What motivated uh, the head of the Nation of Islam to take you... AJ Gavard and some other respected uh, journalists in the in this community. Why did he bring all of you together? Well, uh, we became friends uh, in '97. He came to Mexico, and he told me about one of his experiences. Uh, and I said, "When can I make this public?" Uh, he said, "Well, the time will come." Uh, and uh, as you know, the the widow of. Uh, one of the leaders of the Nation of Islam, Mohammed, uh, it's uh, living in Mexico, uh, and she is uh, has kept uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan informed of what we are presenting every week 
in our national show. Uh, and I believe that was the reason he invited me and he asked me to organize this event uh, in the United States. And, uh, and I did, and I invited some very credible uh, people there to be to speak there. And, uh, and I think it was uh, very successful, you know. Uh, it happened at the same time that the Congress in, in Arizona uh, but uh, there was, uh, I think, uh, a very good chance to tell the truth. Yeah, some of you had to go and then you had to come back again a, a, a day or two later. Yeah, that's correct. And I have to ask you this, and this is probably one of the most, in my opinion, controversial cases of all time. And I'm speaking of Dr. Jonathan Reed. I know you are very close to, to this case. I recently made a young man, a very extraordinarily smart young man with the name of Jason Verbelli, who spent time with uh, Dr. Reed uh, in, in, in Washington. And I was in Washington a couple of weeks ago, and he told me, Mel, you need to speak with Dr. Reed. I believe he was shot a few days, a few weeks ago in the head. I don't know if you knew this, but can you tell us what your experience was with Dr. Jonathan Reed? And if you'd like to you know, give a synopsis of the case, that's very important. He was shot, you say? He, he According to Jason Verbelli, he spoke to, to Dr. Reed a few weeks ago, and apparently he got shot. And when he was talking, speaking with him on the phone, you couldn't hardly understand him. That's how much it affected him. I still need to confirm this, but this is the information I received from Jason Verbelli. No, I don't know anything about that. I, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you. What can I say about Jonathan Reed? Yes. Good and bad, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, personally, uh, I don't trust him. The case for me, the investigation I did for me is real. Uh, he lied to me in some ways about some characters, about uh, the participation of some people, about the threats that he received. I don't believe in all that, but, um, and, and I wouldn't believe probably in this shot in the head. But everything I found was real. Uh, the, the creature, I believe, is real. The videos, I believe, are real. Uh, the scientific analysis of the creature that was done by Harold Chacon mm -hmm. and scientists that were killed, I believe it's real. And I believe it's real because the interview we had with Harold Chacon proved that he was a, a very scientific man. He was uh, really involved in the investigation, even though he was working in a store in a gas station. Yeah. I called the university, uh, the, the Pontifical University in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and they had, they had him in high regards. They thought he was very capable because we said that he was asking for a job. Uh, that's what we said. And they said, well, this is a very capable man. He was an A student. Uh, he was very trustable, very honest man. Then uh, the interview I had with him uh, as a matter of fact, it was not me. My collaborator, Daniel Munoz, had with him was uh, very profound, and we received so much scientific information of the findings in this creature. 
And everything they say, he said, we have analyzed and it's been proven to be uh, right, to be true. And that's why, and also we took some samples from the dirt in the area where all this happened when the creature was uh, uh, injured uh, and you had the video from the other flying object, the obelisk, so-called obelisk. Yep. Uh, and we took these samples, this dirt, to a specialist in Mexico. And he told us that he found some radiation there. And he thought that this radiation was produced by these uh, things that were close to there. We were able to take dirt from different areas and he was able to establish where, uh, regarding to the center, where the dirt was taken from. And that proved to me that he was saying the truth and that something happened there. Uh, and then part of the story, the story of the creature is real. Uh, I don't know, the creature escaped. I believe that is real too. The creature was able to recuperate after was in a prison. I believe that is true too. I don't know about the, how to say the, the bracelet. The bracelet. I don't know about all that. I don't know about he being persecuted. I don't know about the bracelet being in Europe, being analyzed. I don't know. Probably it's true. Probably so. I am saying it's not true. Do you think, Jaime, in, in, for example, the story of, uh, of Billy Meyer, and as I said, I knew Wendell, uh, Colonel Wendell Stevens, and I knew he put his 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 credence and his his research into this too, and the elders as well. But there's another camp that says that Billy Meyer might have exaggerated later to call more attention. Do you think that is this is the case with Dr. Jonathan Reed as well that he may have exaggerated and concocted certain things? For example, I grew up in Puerto Rico. I called the alleged university that supposedly did a lot of these studies, they had no idea of what I was talking about. And none of the names that I heard from the interviews with Chacon, not you, but others, they couldn't find him anywhere. Well, I I, I have the recording uh, from the university in, uh, in, in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. They tell me about uh, Harold Chacon and they tell me what I told you, I have I have that recording yet. No, the analysis. They, when they made the analysis in Puerto Rico, I believe. No, no, no. This analysis was not done in Puerto Rico. No, okay. no. It was done in the U.S. Okay. Done in a laboratory where these two scientists worked. And they were killed. Nobody knows if the kills, if the deaths are related to the case or not. One of them was shot. And this is true. This happened by a student. And the second scientist died. Uh, you know, he was an escalator. He was a climber in a mountain in the state of Washington, and he fall from this uh, mountain. Hmm. That's what happened. I don't know if that's related or not, but they were. And Harold Chacon said that after they died, somebody came and took everything, everything from the lab. And as I tell you, I, I believe in Harold Chacon. I don't know anything else. I, I believe uh, because everything he said, we were able to investigate, and besides, we were able to find this uh, radiation in the field. If, if we consider that this case is uh, a hoax, 
that there were many people involved, not just one, but many people involved, and all of them lying just because of what? Jonathan Reed? I don't think so. I don't really, because there were some very honest people, you know? Dan Iria, for example, is a very honest man, and he was involved, and he was disappointed with uh, uh, Jonathan Reed when some things came out about his personal life, because nobody has been has proved that the case is a hoax. They have proved that this man uh, is not very trustable. That is true, but that doesn't mean that the case and everything that was said is not real. What about the bullet, the, the bullet wound that he showed? And this is one part that keeps me coming back to the story, the, the video where he shows the hole on his left shoulder. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that, but I don't know if that's related or not. I cannot tell you, my mm, friend. Mm. I'm able to prove that this is because they wanted to kill him, really, because of the case. Because we found, you know, he confessed to me a few things that were not uh, factual. Like one of his friends, I don't know, rem I don't remember the name of the friend that he said that was kidnapped by the government, uh, he disappeared, and et cetera, et cetera. And then was found that this friend died from AIDS two or three years before the story happened, mm. you know? And then he told me that uh, the problem is that he was gay and that was the reason he didn't want to get involved with the other man who was also gay. And I didn't want to talk more about that. And that is why that part of Jonathan Reed, uh, I don't believe. I, I, I probably, it's probably true. Uh, what can I say? Uh, when we analyzed the video, we were the ones who found that this creature opened the eyes in uh, different occasions, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Jonathan never had seen that. And uh, that is true. When we saw it, he was so surprised. And he celebrated and he told everyone that uh, that was happening and that was in the video. And, and it was uh, exactly, uh, I mean... Uh, co coincidental with the story, you know, that the creature uh, after was uh, somehow alive, he found it alive in the freezer, etc., etc. Uh, uh, and uh, that is why I believe a part of the story is real. I don't know about the dog, I don't know about so many things, but some of the evidence that was presented, I still think that is real. And I know that uh, he felt persecuted, and I think you gave him safe haven in Mexico for a while, correct? No, no, that is not true. Uh, I, in, in Mexico, when he came, he asked me what's one of his conditions that I, when we were going to the, to present this in national television, uh, he asked me for protection. Then uh, I believe he wa it was real, everything he was telling me at that moment. And I asked the authorities in Mexico City I explained what was the case. I explained he was coming and they gave the protection to him. Even the hotel, he had protection 24 hours a day for the two or three days that he was here. Uh, and that was all. Uh, after that, he got in love with a Mexican woman, Columba, and he came back on his own and stayed in Mexico. And that is all. But I didn't have too much contact after that, you know, after... I realized all the things that he was saying 
that were not true. Uh, I didn't want to continue doing the investigation. However, I still support what I did, what I present, because it's real, and the time will come uh, when we prove that this is real. I, I am still waiting for the exhibition that he was gonna give to the Mexican people, disappearing, according to his words, yeah. when he used the bracelet. And that hasn't happened yet. When he comes and he tells me, here, I am gonna do this, and he proves to me that, then I will say, okay, the whole thing is real. Otherwise, I will say, well, this is the story I investigate. This is what I think is real. The other, I don't know, probably is, probably is not. Well, that's what a true journalist does. So I'm glad that you're treating it the way it should be. Uh, because as you know, also in the United States, there's coin till, imp coin till pro. There are ways in which the the security and the intelligence apparatus just comes out and ridicules each story or mixes some truth with fiction so that people can forget about it, right? Yeah, that's correct. And what other, and we're going to have to take a one and only intermission in a couple of minutes, but you have a new website, a new, a new venture that you're diving into. Can you tell us more? Yes, uh, this is a Tercer Milenio, Tercer T-E-R-C-E-R, Milenio, M-I-L-E-N-I-O, tercermilenio.tv, and it's a bilingual, bilingual site. And we are presenting almost everything, subtitled. It's in Spanish, but it's subtitled in English, presenting all the investigations we have produced in the last eight years. So far, we, are, we have been able to present just the last two years with many specials, many new special investigations. And we have also uh, a television channel uh, with many shows live. I have a live show. If you want to see it Sundays from 10 to 11 to, to 12 Mexican time and Sunday, Sunday mornings, you can watch it in Arizona from 8 to 10 right now. And uh, we repeat that uh, in different occasions. And sometimes we present something like uh, the curious descent or the landing in Mars. Uh, last Sunday, we presented that live. And we got more than 200,000 hits at the same time, you know? Then we, we are you know, looking forward with this side because I believe it's the, it's the way to go to the future. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that we finally were able to get you on Jaime because I've been trying for years and uh, you're always traveling and I understand your, your busy schedule. So we're privileged to have you here. We have to take our one and only intermission, folks. Don't go anywhere. I'm here with Jaime Mausan and this is Mel Fabregas. You're listening to Veritas. We'll be right back. Thank you very much for listening to the first segment of this interview. We will continue with segment two with our special guest in the Veritas member section. Just go to our website, veritasradio.com, and click on the subscribe link to listen to the rest. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with segment two in the member section. Enjoy.
physical searching and you are listening to a wonderful radio interview conducted by Mel. Mm-hmm. 